You're listening to the Sojourn Church New Albany sermon series, Our Sojourn. In this series, we'll take stock of who we are as a church and who God is forming us to become in 2022. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Uh, Good morning, Sojourn. Peace be with you. It's good to see you. Uh, My name is Jonah. I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn. Uh, Our mission, which we're going to talk about all morning, our mission as a church is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, build them up as his church, and send them to follow him in his world. And I'm I'm thankful that you're here to be part of that. Uh, You may notice my voice sounds a little funny. Uh, I was at Cincinnati Bengals football game last night with my college friends, so uh, let, let the people of God say who day. I know, we're, I know we're in Colts country, but we haven't uh, won a playoff game in 31 years, so I had to give them my all. They needed me out there, okay? So, sorry. Sorry to my Colts people. You, you guys have had plenty of success. It's our turn. Um, so, this morning, um, we're talking about our mission. You hear us say it before uh, the sermons every Sunday, our mission, reach, build, send. Um, each aspect of that, each word of that, reach, build, and send, is important, um, by itself, each word we could do a whole sermon on or have an emphasis on just that one word, but the, the real significance comes when we learn how to hold it together, each point necessarily requiring the other, each aspect necessarily leading to the other. And we want to root ourselves there as we're in a season of change here, season of um, renewal and growth and Pretty much, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. I I don't know if you all have noticed this. Change, good or bad, almost always makes us feel afraid. Um, Even when they're exciting, hopeful changes, the changes that are coming in the life of our church over the next few months, some of them we've worked for years to bring about, uh, but they always feel scary. Um, Scary when you go to college, and it's also exciting. Uh, Y'all, you parents, remember how scared you were when you brought your first child home? Um, you're excited about the kid, excited about the baby, but you're walking. I just remember so vividly them wheeling my wife out of Floyd Memorial Hospital and then just being like, we just go now? We just take it? We, we just go, you know, no, no instruction manual. It was even worse when number two came. Um, so my, my, my point is, <clears throat> when we talk about the future of our church and mission, we have to acknowledge that some fear is understandable. Uh, Last week, we talked about holding things in our church open-handedly, and it's like, oh my gosh, what might that mean? Oh, you know, there's some fear that's understandable there. Fear comes with all growth, all change. Um, A lot of us who've been here for a while, we liked what happened before, and legitimately good things have happened before. Um, We we liked, you know, when you were a kid, I kind of liked living at home and having my bills paid for. Um, uh, With my wife and I, I liked when it was just the two of us. Uh, And when you go into an unknown future, it can be honestly scary and uncertain. The past almost always feels safer than the future. And that's why it makes sense that most of us feel more comfortable living in the, in the past. Um, so when we look at the marching orders of the church or what is our mission as a church, it's really important 
that we begin where Jesus begins, this great commission. So in verse 18, where the text began for us this morning that Kristen read for us, Jesus says to his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. So before he makes any comment about what they're to do or his expectations of them, he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So let's, let's do some crowd participation. Uh, who has the authority? Jesus. Say his name again. Jesus. Yeah, warming up. Okay. Uh, how much authority does he have? Do you see the word it said? All, all authority. Where does he have it? <laughs> Everywhere. In heaven and on earth, which I'll give you a little teaser coming up next month. We're going to talk about what are the heavens. We're going to talk about angels and demons and spirits and what's going on in the world. So get ready. It's coming. That's just a teaser. I'm really excited about it. The point is, Jesus is sending out his people on a mission. He's telling them what they're going to do. And he begins by saying, listen, you guys, I have the authority and I have it everywhere. I have the authority. I have all of it. And I have it everywhere. Therefore, trust me. Therefore, you can step into anything that I give to you with confidence and with peace. You will be frightened, yes. You know, but the more I think about it, faith is not the absence of fear. Faith doesn't mean this like superpower, we're never scared of anything anymore. Most of the things that I get scared of, I'm not choosing to get scared of. When, a, uh, you know, when I walk into the bathroom, or I'll tell you, at Christmas Eve the other, the other couple weeks ago, I walked into our church building at 1030 at night into the kids' wing, and a bat was in the Christmas wreath and flew in my face. And when that thing hit me, I wasn't like, hang on, I'm going to be afraid now. You know, it was just like, the fear hits. That's how fear is for most of us. We don't want to sit around and stew on fear. It just, it kind of happens. Faith isn't reaching this pinnacle where we never experience fear anymore. Faith is where in the midst of our fears, we can say, I trust the promises of God. I trust the goodness of God. This trust, trusting God, is the foundation of our mission. So we can trust God. Why? Because Jesus has all of the authority everywhere. Therefore, you can trust me. Because he has all of that authority in all of those places, he continues. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus has all authority, go. So this appeals to the first aspect of our mission, reach. We reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that was the mission and message of Jesus. So it is with us. We proclaim good news to people, no longer bound by geography or nationality. This message goes to the nations, right? All people, all tribes, all tongues. In Christ, there are no more of those people. We talk about those people sometimes. Do you know who those people are? We all have those people, and they're all different for us, but those people are, I can't believe those people would do something like that, or those people should stay over there, or we all have those people, and, and in Christ, he's broken down the walls of, of those people and said all can come near, all can be made one together. The ones we would avoid, the ones who don't belong, there, there's no one anywhere in the world that this good news does not apply to. but try to put the bigness of this mission into the context of Jesus's life. Historically, in churches like ours, this message of go and the broadness of it has meant us think we have to go everywhere and do everything all the time, always. Jesus's earthly mission was intensely relational. 
he focused on a very small group of people. He would teach to large crowds, certainly, but the majority of his time was spent with a very small number of people. He spent three years with a handful of men and women, and let's call it 18 hours a day of walking, of eating, of talking, of teaching. Think about, think about how many hours that is over three years. And preserved in the scriptures, we have a few dozen pages that tell the story. And it's speculative as to why that is. But for me, part of it is because most of it was probably super ordinary. Like Jesus talking to his disciples while they're washing clothes down by the river. Or when they're going and buying groceries. Or when they're on a 15-hour walk to the next town. The mission of Jesus begins with people in the ordinary rhythms of life. When we talk about reaching people, we're reaching them with an invitation to a a relational reality that's sealed in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, The mission of Jesus invites people into a, a, you might think of it as a Trinitarian dance. You've heard us say this, the Trinity, God exists and unity, diversity, and harmony. And he made us to operate the way he does in unity, diversity, and harmony. And so we reach people with this message that the hostility is over and we can enter into this dance of unity, diversity, and harmony, learning to live in love like like God does. So the reason I want to emphasize this is that we can get trapped in the cycle of thinking reach means numeric growth at all costs, or always go all the time. When we say reach people with the gospel, we're reaching them for the sake of relationships. At its core, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the announcement that you are at peace with God and each other because of what Christ has done for you. Your sins have been forgiven. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been made one people called the church. It's an end to hostility. We are adopted children and part of his family. If we neglect this, if we neglect that the gospel at its core is relational, if we make the mission of God only go, 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 and only big, 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 you know what will happen? Another way to think about it, if we have an idealistic sense of the church or of this mission, where it will all be great all the time and we'll just get bigger and better and faster and and. This is a bit of a side note, but can we just agree to stop comparing ourselves to the early church or or dreaming about, oh, if we could just go back and be like the early church? You mean the early church where one of Jesus' best friends sold him out and had him executed? Or the early church that was racist and split the room up to eat on different sides? I mean, which one? We're all a, a mess here. This idealistic view that there is a perfect mission and a perfect church that's going to do everything perfectly— What happens if we get caught up in that way of thinking? Go, 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 bigger, more, faster, it'll be perfect. You know, a few verses before this in Matthew, uh, Matthew refers to the 11. The 11 were walking. Why the 11? Because number 12 killed himself after betraying Jesus. There's a limping 11. Even in the inner core, this small group of people, there was a failure in there. This idealistic sense of it will be perfect and go and bigger. The 11 acknowledges we're not the dream team. There will be hurts and failures in our church and in our mission. And if we don't see the mission of God as ordinary and relational, 
ordinary, meaning the everyday rhythms, ordinary. We are people who are all on a journey. And at its core about it being relational, our relationships with God and one another. If we don't see the mission of God as ordinary and relational, we will become idealistic and exhausted. And if you're idealistic and exhausted for too long, you will become angry and bitter and hurt. The mission is not just going. It can't be just reach. The mission is also staying. It's an ordinary life with a new aim, a new focus. Look what Jesus says next. He says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given them. When we talk about reaching people, we're not just giving them new words. We're not just sharing information with them. We're inviting them into an entirely new way of being human. That's the good news. Because your sins are forgiven, because we are at peace with God and each other, we can learn to live life the way God designed it to be lived. This requires new information. Absolutely. Teach these disciples. It requires new information. This information leads to a new way of living. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded. Not just listen and learn, but also obey. We reach people with the gospel, and then we build them up as the church, the people of God, by teaching them what Jesus has said, what Jesus has taught, and teaching them to obey. We learn, we serve, we equip. This is what Christ has commanded us to do. For us, when we talk about building up as the church, growing in our understanding of Christ and our obedience of him, the primary way we are built up as a church is gathering on Sundays. And I don't say that because it's commanded in the scriptures as much as it's just the reality of us. Last week, I talked about the survey that we did. 80% of us gather almost every Sunday. So when we think about With all the competitions for time and scheduling struggles, most of us gather most Sundays here. So the primary way we're going to be built up as the church right now in this stage of life and development as our church is going to need to be on Sundays because this is where we are and this is when we're together. A phrase that you're going to hear us say more and more in the weeks and months to come is Sunday belongs to the Lord. That's something that I want us to get into our bones. Sunday belongs to the Lord. And now for, I don't know if we have any theological neatniks left. We might have run them all off. But some of you might say, well, doesn't every day belong to the Lord? And it's like, yes. All things belong to the Lord. What we're saying is, another way to think about it, Sunday is family day. I mean, this family. Well, are you, aren't you family the other six days? Yes, but this is the day that we are going to prioritize and say, this day belongs to the Lord. We are prioritizing our faith and our faith community, our faith family together on this day. Moving forward as a church, our expectation is that to be a part of this family, so not a guest, you know, if you say, I'm here, this is my family, these are my people, the expectation is we will give our Sundays to this family. The Sunday, and notice I'm not saying your service time. I'm not saying the 9 a.m. I'm not saying 8 to 9 or 9 to 10. And you're going to hear more about this. We're saying Sunday is a family day, this family. We're going to start increasing our efforts to teach, to learn, to fellowship, to equip on this day. Because, again, the vast majority of us are already here on this day. 
and the greatest scheduling difficulty throughout the week is already solved on this day. Let the parents say amen. You know what I'm talking about. There's more on this next week, but, but here's what I want you to see when I'm talking about Sunday belongs to the Lord. Christianity is not a static acceptance of information. Christianity is not merely a confession of faith where we acknowledge certain things are true. Christianity is a new life. It's a journey of growing, of maturing, of changing, of being built up as Christ's church. Have you noticed how many lies are involved in your week? It's happening all the time if you're not, if you're not paying attention to it. Uh, you know how many voices in our country, in our economy. <laughs> Let me gather myself for a second. I almost got wound up. Do you have any idea how many industries, how many people, and how many careers stake their entire existence on keeping you afraid? How many industries, people, markets, stake everything they have on keeping you afraid. Not just afraid of world circumstances. You know how many voices are whispering to us there's something wrong with you? Oh, you have the iPhone 12? Hmm. Your car is two years old? You have those shoes? You know, if you had this toothpaste, this is the kind of person you would marry. Or you, There's all of these voices. Have you noticed that? Look at the toothpaste commercials. You ain't see ugly people in toothpaste commercials. Do you know how much time and effort and money by our society is put into convincing you that you are lacking something and that there is something fundamentally wrong with you? Being built up, at, being built up as the church is a coming home. It's a learning who you really are in Christ so that you can become that. This is a place to hear truth to remember and experience that you are loved, that you have enough and you are enough because Christ is in you. And you cannot get these realities into your bones quickly. You cannot get these realities into your bones that shape you and change you and grant you peace and confidence and strength. If you're coming every so often for a half an hour or so, showing up late, leaving early, and then going back out into this world, that stakes everything on convincing you something's wrong with you. Sunday, Sunday belongs to the Lord. This must become our way of being so that we can become who we truly are in Christ, built up as the church. Now, there's also a real danger in becoming only a build church. Y'all, you guys remember when Peter saw Jesus turn into shining light. We're going to talk more about this in a couple weeks. I'm pretty pumped about it. Jesus goes up on a mountain, goes super scion, and Moses and Elijah show up. You remember what Peter says? Yeah, the Cliff Notes is like, let's just live here forever. Let's build some tents, and we can just stay here, Jesus and Moses and Elijah. So especially if you're, if you're new here, and you like maybe this is for Sunday, I don't know, uh, there is a real sweetness in our community. There's, there's a real gen... Uh, gentleness and generosity uh, is good to be a part of this place. Uh, what we have is a gift, 
And when you have a gift that feels rare and precious, there's a temptation to hold on to it, of not sharing it. This too is birthed from fear. Um, it's birthed from a fear that there's not enough to go around. Uh, you know, when, when we planted this church here in southern Indiana, Sojourn was about 10 years old as a whole over in Louisville, I heard so many people say, I hope we never grow. I hope it stays just like this. Oh, this reminds me of when Sojourn was so small and we'd meet in the basement. I hope we stay like this. It's like us being Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration saying, let's just build tents and stay here forever. The danger of becoming a build-only church is we huddle up. We close the doors of our hearts and our lives. And I'm telling you, if you huddle up, you become numb and arrogant. When you're huddled up, you become numb to the world's pain and suffering, numb to the darkness that we are supposed to light up, numb to the face of Christ and the least of these around us. And, and we'll become arrogant, thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to, forgetting that we are recipients of grace and mercy too. All of those people remain those people because they're out there and we're so good and wonderful in here. We'll become a bunker huddled for protection rather than a city on a hill shining in the darkness as a beacon of hope and safety. Jesus begins this great commission with a word of hope and confidence, and he ends with the same. Be sure of this, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He does this because he knows he knows that as we grow, we will also go. If you're here and you call Jesus Lord, you do so because the Lord used somebody in your life. Somebody reached you with the gospel. And then you've been built up. You're growing and you're changing. And eventually at some point in that journey, you will go too. Listen to how Jesus put this to his disciples. This is the pattern of Christianity. In John 20, he says to them, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. God's grace comes to us so it can move through us. Jesus begins his mission with a word of comfort and peace. He says, peace to you. That's shalom to you. That's wholeness to you. The Father sent me, so I am sending you. So yes, Sunday belongs to the Lord. You're going to hear that often and repeatedly. We will commit to this day. We'll prioritize this day. We'll invest in one another on this day so that we might be sent this day to go and live lives of faith in the world around us. What, what does that mean, though? Have you noticed we say that almost every week, go and live lives of faith? Do you notice how different that is than go and win? or go and convince, go and fight. No, that's not what we're up to. We live lives of faith. Can you think of any of the metaphors Jesus used in the New Testament to describe his people? Two that really stick out to me are salt and light. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And have you ever noticed that you don't have to like activate salt you just, salt just shows up and it does, it does what salt does. You know, you, you never have to tell light what to do. You turn a light on and it just, it just is. The, some of the common things about salt and light is their presence changes what's around them. 
Will some of you be sent to somewhere exotic and extreme to do something challenging and difficult for the Lord? Yes, absolutely. We've done that as a church and we hope to continue to do that. Some of you will be sent to just go be salt and light at work and at home and in our neighborhoods. Living a life of faith means to say, what has God given me to do and can I do it? Light illuminates just by being there. Salt enhances flavor just by being there. That's our, that's our invitation. The way we announce the gospel, you know, you can be right and wrong at the same time. You, you can say something true and be a jerk at the same time. If you're married, you know this, right? You can be right and wrong at the same time. Or, or walking into the stadium last night, you know, you know who's out there. It's people on the megaphone screaming about how awful everybody is. And their judgment day is coming. Or they're saying true things about Jesus through shouts and anger and accusations. The way we share the gospel, the way we live in the world, Christian, the way we love, it's salt and it's light. So we leave this place to go and be that in the world. People are drawn to us because they will be drawn to Jesus. They are welcomed home. They are built up and they are sent out. We reach people with the gospel. We build them up as Christ's church and then send them into the world to live lives of faith. And what happens when they do that? Well, they reach people with the gospel and then they get built up as the church and then those people will go and be sent as well. Jesus begins his great commission with a word of authority and he ends with a word of peace. So every Sunday we rehearse this promise and we embody it through our remembrance of the Lord's Supper, the authority and the peace given to us through the presence of Christ. So we call our minds to the night that Jesus was betrayed. He took a loaf of bread, he blessed it. He thanked God for it, he broke it. And he said to his disciples, this is my body given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, when the meal was over, he took a cup of wine. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant sealed with the shedding of my blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.